All right, well, Shabbat Shalom to all of you watching us um, here close and afar. Um, and um, this is uh, the Covenant Calendar Club, uh, which is a part of uh, Torah to the Tribes ministry. We here in this part of the ministry, well, we deal with the uh, calculations of the calendar um, as it is written, it's plain um, in the plain sense of the text and bring it to you in the best of ways so we can walk out what Yahuwah in the spirit gave us to uh, to follow. So we are blessed by that. And we're also very blessed uh, to bring you uh, the prophetic, uh, what the scripture has to say about uh, the prophecies in our lives. So, and, um, and so we have here Brandon today that's gonna cover that. Uh, he's gonna cover a part three of, of multiple, uh, you know, Exodus on my mind teachings that he's actually uh, working on and uh, we're very blessed by them. Uh, yes, sir, we have some really good positive responses from, from this uh, type of teachings that he's actually doing. So that's a blessing. Uh, this one in particular is called Moshe and Miracles. And uh, this, uh, he will be basically discussing the parallels of Moshe's life um, in, in, and also how that applies today in our spiritual lives and how we should be walking this out and how he forsook or he basically uh, gave up, you know, the, uh, the um, sins of Egypt, you know, to for something much greater, uh, which is to be a servant of Yah. And also, uh, he'll be discussing the uh, the signs, the, the the miracles that Moshe did, um, you know, for Yahuwah, and um, and so basically in front of the midst of, of Pharaoh. Uh, so this is going to be a, a really a part three teaching, as I said, of of. We, we undetermined how many there will be right now, but uh, it's growing <laughs> like a tree. So we'll, we'll see how, how big it grows. Awesome. So uh, so anyway, Brandon here, uh, much more will we'll be um, happy to, um, you know, br bring you this teaching and and uh, with with the expect expectation of ble being blessed by it. And if you have yes. your, if you are not signed up to our live uh, discussions, please do so because we you know we love to have you share things with you live, get to know you. And also uh, we want you to be involved in the Q and A's, you know, questions and answers, uh, or even just discussions or testimonies, whatever Yahuwah puts in your heart, bring it to the platform so we can get to get, so we can walk this um, out together. We are all in this together all. And uh, if you're all watching and you enjoy these teachings and this fellowship, please join us. And there are other platforms of Torah to a Tribes you can join that. I'm sure we'll also edify you. For that, go to um, TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect, and you're going to see all the different platforms you can sign up for. Well, I hope you all have a blessed uh, day, and uh, whenever you're in Shabbat Shalom, and, and whenever you're ready, Brandon, the floor is yours. All right. <clears throat> Thank you, Brother Jose. Appreciate you, sir. Um, all right. Well, Boker Tov, good morning. Uh, Shabbat Shalom to everyone. And... Um, you know, I pray that, you know, this, uh, this teaching uh, blesses you and is edifying to you as well. Um, oh, what did I do? There we go. Sorry, I messed up my, uh, my zoom here. I don't know how to make it go away. There it goes. All right, I got it now. All right, so so as Jose, brother Jose said, uh, we're we're continuing with the series 
uh, Exodus on my mind. Because as you can see, it's on my mind, okay? And I think that I speak for all of us when I say that it's on all of our minds. You know, we're, we're looking forward to getting out of this, this beast system, this new world order, and being uh, taken away into the wilderness, you know, into the secret place and hidden, you know, like the, uh, the bride in, or the woman in Revelation, in Revelation 12 is for those 1260 days, right? Um, also known as the, some call it the second exodus, some call it the greater exodus, however you want to call it, right? But, um, you know, last week, um, you know, so I, I titled this Moshe and Miracles for part three, because I know we talked a little bit about the story of, of Moshe uh, or Moses, as you might know him, <clears throat> uh, last week you know, with his birth and everything like that. Um, and then of course, you know, with, with the uh, encounter with him and Yahuwah at the, at the burning bush and everything like that. But I wanted to go back and touch on his kind of in-between life, you know, his, his adult life be be between, you know, when he left Egypt and when he had the encounter with Yahuwah at the burning bush. Okay. So, we're going to just kind of give you some, some bullet points here of where we're going to be looking is we're going to be starting in, in Exodus chapter 2, verses 10 through 22. Then we're going to skip chapter 3. We already covered that last week. Uh, so if you missed last week's on part 2, Exodus on my mind part 2, um, it is available at two different places. <clears throat> One is uh, on our Covenant Calendar Club's uh, page, uh, YouTube page, is Yahweh's Servant. It's on there. Uh, Exodus on My Mind Part 1 and 2 are on there. And then also I have them on my page personally at uh, Much More Truth uh, on YouTube as well for Exodus on My Mind Part 1 and 2. They're both, both places have them. So if you, uh, if you, you know, miss that part, um, <clears throat> you're still going to get something, I would hope, uh, out of this teaching, but you'll get better context by, you know, kind of seeing how they ended up enslaved in Egypt and then, you know, what Moshe did initially. And, you know, now we'll just keep building on it. And then, you know, the next coming teachings, we'll get into, um, you know, the actual plagues and the actual exodus and all that kind of stuff. But I really wanted to build a good, firm foundation and have a good background about, and also be able to take it and apply it to what we're dealing with, uh, what we have dealt with today, or what we will be dealing with, or what we are dealing with right now. Because um, depending on your situation, you know, you may have already dealt with some stuff, maybe you are dealing with some stuff, or you will be most likely dealing with some stuff. So we'll be a little bit in Exodus 2, 10 through 22. Uh, then we're going to touch on uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and what Moshe did by faith and, and how essential that is for us as well and how that applies to us. Then we're going to skip back to the book of Exodus or Shemot, as it's called in the Hebrew names is what that means. Uh, in Exodus chapter four through Exodus chapter six, uh, verse 13. And then we'll skip the, uh, the genealogy portion of, of Aaron and Moshe uh, down to the end of Exodus chapter 6 and then end in uh, Exodus chapter 7, verse 13. 
So um, kind of going to be hopping around a little bit, but you know, that's okay. I just wanted to kind of give you a, a, an outline a little bit there of, of what we'd be covering, but you know, so far, um, and uh, you know, I did this last night, so I want to do it again. Um, so if you're in the, you know, in the Zoom chat right now or in the live chat, whatever, because we're also, I'm trying out a new thing where we're broadcasting this on, uh, on Facebook uh, directly as well to try and get a, a bigger uh, viewing audience and everything like that. But have you guys been enjoying this series Exodus on my mind? You know, have you been enjoying this, hearing the story about the Exodus, Moshe, um, and, um, you know, through the lens of this movie, uh, The Prince of Egypt, or unless you're Abigail, she calls it The Prince of Egypt. Um, so hopefully you guys have been, I can't, I don't know what happened to the chat. I lost it. But yeah, hopefully you guys are. All right. So we'll get started here and uh, yeah, just kind of see where the, uh, where the Ruach leads us, right? All right, so Moshe, or like I said, some pronounce it Moses, some pronounce it Moshe, however you want to pronounce it, okay? But we're going to read from Exodus 2, verse 10 through 22. So you can follow along with me if you got your sword, all right? It says, um, now just to give a little bit of context here, so uh, remember, Moshe's mom, his mother, placed him in the basket, sent him into the Nile River, everything like that. His sister actually followed along and watched where he ended up. And she actually ended up asking, um, asking Pharaoh's daughter if uh, she wanted to get someone to nurse the child for her. So she actually ended up getting Moshe's mother to come and nurse the child. Okay. And then Moshe's mother actually got paid by Pharaoh's daughter her daily wages for doing so. So she got paid for something that she would have already been doing if, if she still had Moshe after she hid him for three, three months, right? So verse 10 says, And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, she being his mother. That's why I gave you that context there. She brought him to Pharaoh's uh, daughter and he became her son so she called his name Moshe or Moses saying because I drew him out of the water now my little footnote says literally drawn out okay so that's that's what Moshe means we'll get into that in just a second so Moshe is three Hebrew letters so Hebrew reads from right to left. So you have the mem, shan, or shin, and a he. Okay. So the mem is liquid, massive chaos. Shan is to consume or to destroy. And the he is to reveal. All right. Brenda, you're not sharing your screen here on Zoom. I'm not. Uh-oh. No, because I saw it on Facebook and it shows there, but not here. I just thought I would tell you that. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry, guys. Whoops. I apologize. Apologize. My bad. I'm so sorry. 
Okay. Now can you guys see it? Yes. Okay. I'm so sorry, guys. My apologies. Trying to do too much at one time. All right. All right. So, so anyway, Moshe has the, the Mem, Shan, and Hay here, right? So you have the, the liquid. Mem is liquid, massive, chaos. <clears throat> Shan is to consume, to destroy, and the hay is to reveal, all right? So Moshe is Strong's H for Hebrew, 4872, and it comes from H4871, Masha, all right? And it means drawing out of the water that is rescued. Moshe, the Israelite lawgiver, obviously we know him as Moses. And Masha means to pull out literally or, or figuratively to draw out so that's what the little uh note here in my scriptures says literally drawn out that's what it's talking about all right so she drew him out of the water the you know the, the nile river brought uh him to her that being uh, pharaoh's uh pharaoh's daughter all right so let's keep going here in verse 11 so it says, now it came to pass in those days when Moshe was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out on the second, the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Surely people know that I killed this Egyptian. That's what he's saying here. Uh, Brandon, real quick, um, if we continue, do you want to get the sound? Uh, no, that's okay. Working? Uh, I'll have to figure it out some other time. That's all right. All right, brother. I don't know what's going on. I'll have to just, I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. That's all right. Yeah. Good test. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. Um, Verse 15, so <clears throat> when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moshe fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and, he, and they came and drew water, <clears throat> excuse me, and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their flock, father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to Ruul, their father, now Ruul is also uh, Jethro. Um, I don't know if anyone has any insights later on that, but I just noticed that it's the same guy. It's, it's uh, Zipporah's father. <clears throat> but when they came to Ruul, their father, he said, <clears throat> geez, excuse me. How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds 
and he also drew enough water for us, and we watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moshe was content to live with this man, and he gave Zipporah his daughter to Moshe. And she bore him a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. So what's interesting about this is that he's a stranger in a foreign land or, or you know, we, and we hear the apostle Paul, also Peter talk about being strangers or, or aliens on this earth, not like extraterrestrial aliens as people believe in. We know that those are fallen angels anyway, demons, if you will, but strangers we're sojourners in a foreign land right? We don't belong where we are. We don't belong in Egypt. We don't belong in the United States of America or whatever country you're in that's part of Mystery Babylon. We don't belong here. This is, we're just passing through this life, right? We belong to New Jerusalem. We're a citizen of New Jerusalem. We're just passing through, right? So, 1 Peter 2, verse 11 and 12 says, Beloved ones, I appeal to you as sojourners or as strangers and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly loves, lusts, which battle against the life, having your behavior among the Gentiles good, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, let them, by observing your good works, esteem Elohim in the day of visitation. So give him, give Elohim glory in the day of visitation, right? So one thing that's interesting that I wanted to point out here, though, in verse 11, is it says when Moshe was grown, right? It says, and in those days it came to be when Moshe was grown, that he went out to see his brothers and looked at their burdens, or you could say he noticed their burdens. See, before that, and isn't it true with us that, you know, when we were children, we were just kind of going along with it. You know, maybe we grew up in Christianity and, and lawlessness. Uh, maybe we grew up in a family of atheists or, um, you know, evolutionists or agnostics or, or whatever, you know, or, or Buddhists or Hindus or Muslims or whatever it is. But then when we were grown, then we all of a sudden realized we had this wake up call, just like Moshe did, that, hey, we're not part of our actual blood family, but we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's the same thing that happened with Moshe. When he was grown, he realized, wait a minute, I'm all of a sudden, and I love the, and again, you know, I touched on this last night that, you know, the movie, it's a depiction of the story, but yes, it does get off as far as, um, you know, it kind of Hollywoods it up a little bit, if you will, right, where they, they, they add to it a little bit, if you will, okay, so it's not 100% scripturally accurate, but it, the way that they do it is very believable, because, see, in the movie, which if you haven't watched this movie, The Prince of Egypt, I would definitely encourage you to watch it. Um, I think it's a really good 
um, depiction of, of how things possibly could have gone down um, in the Exodus. But in the movie, he has this moment where, you know, he encounters his sister and she literally tells him, which this is Abigail's favorite line, and she screams it. She's like, you are our brother. And she says it like over and over again. She's like, you know, and this encounter happens where, you know, he's faced with the truth of that he is not a son of the daughter of Pharaoh biologically, but he's been adopted in and he's actually a he's actually kin or family to the Hebrew Israelite slaves. So he realizes he has this, this moment of like, wait a minute, I'm not where I belong. And then he went out and saw his brothers, went out to his brothers and looked at their burdens. He noticed their burdens and saw Mitzrayim beating a Hebrew, one of his brothers, right? And that's when he smoked the, the, the Mitzrayim or the Egyptian. So it's similar to us, you know, and unless you grew up in a Torah-based family where, you know, the word says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is older, he will not depart from it, right? But most of us didn't have that. So we, we uh, but just like uh, I think Paul says, you know, by the spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father, right? So I just wanted to touch on that. So we are sojourners, all right? So now let's get into Hebrews chapter 11, which is probably one of my favorite chapters. If you're ever feeling down, just go read. If you're ever feeling over, overwhelmed, depressed, anything like that, you feel like you can't endure, you feel like anything like that, any negative feeling, just go read Hebrews chapter 11 and out loud. Because the word is meant to be read out loud. Because why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Elohim, right? So we'll start in verse 23. It says, by faith or by belief, Moshe, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Number one, we, and we touched on this last week. Don't be afraid of the earthly kings or the earthly governors or the earthly presidents or the earthly prime minister's commands. But fear the one true king, our Elohim, right? By faith, when he became of age, when he was grown, we just read about this, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Which This depiction right here, is a really good depiction of that because he, he, he comes to the realization like that this man who he calls father or who, who he used to call father is actually responsible for the death of thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of male children, male babies, because he had them thrown into the Nile River after the midwives wouldn't kill them on the birthing stools so by faith when he became of age he refused to be called the son of pharaoh the son of the daughter of pharaoh and just like us by faith we refuse to be called lawless we refuse to be called an atheist we refuse to be called 
Buddhist, Muslim, whatever it was. But deep down, we knew we're an Israelite or we're grafted in like Romans 11 talks about. We knew that we had a different calling on our lives. By faith, we refused to be called just part of Mystery Babylon or Egypt or like I said, whatever country you're in. For me, it's the United States. But we have a higher calling upon our lives. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of Elohim than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Mashiach greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him, capital H, who is invisible. So we have to, you know, like I said, some of us have already made decisions like this. Some of us are currently making decisions like this. But if not, we will soon be making decisions like this, where we will be faced with a choice of, you know, hey, do I just go along with the crowd, with what the world is doing? You know, I, I, I just... I don't want to be afflicted. I don't, I don't want to, you know, succumb to persecution or anything like that. I don't want to be ridiculed. I don't want to be um, shouted at. I don't want to be yelled at. I don't want to be uh, made fun of, mocked, whatever. So I'm just going to kind of, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to kind of do what the world's doing. You know, I'm going to social distance. I'm going to wear my mask. You know what? The CDC said this week, this week, now I got to wear two masks. So I guess I'll wear two. You know, and I'm just going to keep, you know, I, I, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. No, we're called to be set apart, just like Moses was called to be set apart. And by faith, we also have to choose rather to be afflicted with the set apart people of Elohim rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. We have to make that same decision as well, if we haven't already. Like I said, some of us have been already, but some of us haven't. And we deem the reproach of Messiah greater riches than the treasures of Mitzrayim or Egypt. For we're looking to the reward. By faith, we will also leave Mitzrayim. We will leave Egypt. We will leave Mystery Babylon, not fearing the wrath of the king. For we are steadfast as seeing him who is invisible. Hallelujah. Right? Matthew 6, 24 says, No one is able to serve two masters, for he shall either, for either he shall hate the one and love the other, or else he shall cleave to the one and despise the other. You are not able to serve Elohim and mammon, which mammon is the personification of wealth. This is what we have to do. All right? This is what Moshe did. He said, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. I don't want to be a prince of Egypt anymore. I'd rather be a pauper, if you will, with the Hebrew Israelites. I'd rather go and be a slave 
and know that I'm set apart rather than to keep going on the route that I'm going because I know the truth about who I am and whose I am. All right, so like I said, we're jumping down. We're gonna skip through um, chapter three. We covered it last week. Again, you can you can watch the uh, the recording from last week. But chapter four, Moshe is given powerful signs. Exodus chapter four, verse one, and Moshe answered and said, so obviously just kind of a quick recap here of what's happening, but, you know, he has the encounter with Yahuwah at the burning bush, you know, and he says, um, I will bring you up out of the land of the affliction of the Egyptians to the land of the Canaanites, of the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing of milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice and you shall... And, and you shall come, and you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, Yahuwah Elohim of the Hebrews has met with us. Now please let us go three days into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to Yahuwah our Elohim. And he says in verse 19 of chapter 3, But I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and will strike or smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go, that you shall not go empty handed, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, gold, and clothing, you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Now we start in chapter four, okay? So that was a little background of where we were at in chapter three. So Moshe's given powerful signs. So in verse one, Moshe answered and said, and if they don't believe me, nor listen to my voice and say, Yahweh has not appeared to you, if they become a mocker and scoffer and say, He's not appeared to you. He hasn't spoke to you, right? And Yahuwah said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. And I believe that Yahuwah asked us the same question. What is that in your hand? What do you have? What tools have you been given that Yahuwah can use for his glory? to bring miracles, to bring manifestations, to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. What is that in your hand? What is it that you have that seemingly in your hand, you don't see it as something that can be used. You just see it as, oh, it's just, it's just a rod, Yahuwah. No big deal. But what happened with that rod? With that rod, and we'll get into this later on as we get into the plagues, but Moshe, you know, he put it into the water and the water became blood. The Nile River became blood. Later on, he put it into the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds and it split. Because when you take the multiplication of Yahuwah and you add it to what we have, that's why he, he says, when I am weak, 
I'm actually strong because his multiplication takes over and he puts his power and his glory and his manifest presence through that thing. You know, and last night we were talking about that it's possibly like our talents, right? You know, like our, our sphere of influence. What are you good at? What are you good at doing? What, what do you have? He asked me that question. What do you have, Brandon, that I can use? You know, what do you have? And he's asking you that question as well. You may think like, oh, I, I, I don't do much for the kingdom. I don't, you know, I'm not a speaker. I'm not this. I'm not that. But remember, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that we are all members of one body and that the eye cannot say to the ear or the arm, I have no need of you, right? We are all members of one body. We all have a role to play. We all have different giftings, different manifestations of the Ruach HaKodesh or of the set-apart spirit, right? So getting back to this now, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, throw it to the ground. So he threw it to the ground and it became a serpent and Moshe fled from it. And Yahweh said to Moshe, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. So, so that they believe that Yahuwah, Elohim of, our, of their fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Yahakub has appeared to you. And Yahuwah said to him again, now put your hand into your bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom and we took it out. His hand was leprous like snow. And he said, now put your hand into your bosom again. And when he put his hand into his bosom again and drew it out, see, it was restored as the other flesh. And he said, it shall be that if they do not believe you, nor listen to the voice of the first sign, they shall believe the voice of the latter or the second sign. All right. Verse nine, and, it, and he says, and it shall be if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice that you shall take water from the river and pour it onto dry land and the water which you take from the river, the river, sorry, which you take from the river shall become blood on dry land. So he gave him a third sign. He has the rod, throw down your rod. It becomes a snake or a serpent grabbed the serpent by the tail, boom, it becomes a rod again. If they don't believe that, put your hand into your cloak, into your bosom. It becomes leprous when it comes out, put it back in, it's restored. That's the second sign. And the third sign is you're going to take water from the river, pour it on a dry land, and it's no longer become water, it's going to become blood on the dry land. The three signs that he's given, okay? Remember that. And Moshe said to Yahuwah, oh, Yahuwah, I am not a man of words, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, this is one of my favorite parts of this movie right here, because this is during, these two chapters occur during the little six-minute portion where, uh, where Yahuwah meets Moshe at the burning bush. But Yahuwah kind of goes off on him right here. And he, and he 
kind of like break, not kind of, he raises his voice and he says, who has made man's mouth? Right. And it's like this booming voice, you know, you know, they uh, make him sound sometimes. Right. But, but it's believable. Again, it's believable. Right. Who has made man's mouth or who makes the deaf or the dumb or the seen or the blind? Is it not I, Yahuwah? And then he says, and now go and I shall be with your mouth and teach you what to say. So he's basically saying, Moshe, listen, you're not going to be able to do what I'm calling you to do. You're not going to be able to save, deliver the Hebrew Israelites out of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt, in your own might, in your own strength, in your own wisdom, in your own knowledge, in your own power. But you're going to do it in mine. I will be with you. I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. All I need you to be is the vessel. All I need you to be is the potter in the hand or the clay in the hands of the potter that Isaiah talks about. Right? Makes sense so far? Because see, I got a few examples here of men who, when they were called, they chose different things. Or they had a different response, if you will. We've already went over Moshe's response. But then we also see Gideon in Judges chapter 3. I'm not going to go there, but you can read it on your own time. But he, he, you know, Yahuwah calls him and he says, rise up, mighty warrior. And he's like looking around like, what are you talking about? I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm from the, the smallest house in the smallest tribe, which is Benjamin. You know, and what does Yahuwah say? Rise up, mighty warrior. <laughs> right? That's what he says. You know what? I am going to go there. Is that okay? Hopefully it's okay. Oh, sorry. It's, it's uh, chapter six. Chapter six. My bad. So he says, now the, now the angel of Yahuwah, came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abirazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of Yahuwah appeared to him and said, Yahuwah is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my master, if Yahuwah is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Do, did not Yahuwah bring us up from Egypt? But now Yahuwah has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then Yahuwah turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Similar message that he said to Moshe, right? And then this is what he says. Verse 15, so he said to him, so Gideon said to Yahuwah, oh, my master, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. Sorry, it was Manasseh, not Benjamin. My apologies. Um, indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And Yahuwah said to him, surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites 
as one Midianites as one man. What happens next? Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that is that it is you who talk with me. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how almost every time there's an encounter in scripture, people ask for a sign, right? Moses asked for a sign. Gideon asked for a sign. Let's look at Jeremiah for a second. Now, Jeremiah has a, has a change of heart, though. Because he obeys. He obeys. It says in Jeremiah chapter 1, Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Yahuwah Elohim, behold, I cannot speak. Oh, sound familiar? I cannot speak, for I am a youth. So Moses is saying, I can't speak for it. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Jeremiah is saying, I can't speak because I'm a youth. But Yahuwah said to him, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. I'm going to read that again. For you shall go to how many? All to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says Yahuwah. Then Yahuwah put his hand forth and touched my mouth, and Yahuwah said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Sound familiar? I have put, I shall be with you. I shall be with your mouth and teach you what to say. So Moshe, Gideon, they start making excuses. Jeremiah, he starts making excuses, but immediately he has the change of heart where he believes, and he does in obedience, which is all that Yahweh requires of us. So those are three examples. Now let's look at some other examples. And we won't go there, but you can read them yourself, right? <clears throat> um, but you have Abraham. Abraham is dwelling in the land of, of Canaan, right? And he's called by Yahweh. And Yahweh tells him to leave the land, leave your father's house, and go to a place where I will tell you. By faith, just go. Just, just cross over. That's what Hebrew means, to cross over. We cross over from darkness to light, from death to life. That's what we cross over to, from our flesh to our spirit. We don't know exactly where this journey is going to take us, but we go. We go by faith. And Abraham did. And obviously, you know the story. He makes the covenant and all that stuff in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and all that stuff. And gives him the promise that I will make you the father of many nations. And you, your descendants, your inheritance will be as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the stars in the sky right? Then you have Isaiah. Isaiah 
when he sees the king, now he admits in Isaiah 6, when he sees the king, that woe is me, for I am undone. Verse 5, right? Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, Yahuwah Savot, or Yahuwah of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. Also, I heard a voice the voice of Yahuwah saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And what is Isaiah's response? Then I said, here I am, send me. By faith, he responds. He admits that he is unclean, but once he's been purged, once his lips have been purged with that live coal, then he realizes he's capable of doing what Yahweh has called him to do because he's not going to do it in his own might, his own power, his own strength, or his own wisdom, but he's going to do it with Yahweh's. He just needs a willing vessel. Same thing with Samuel. What happened with Samuel? Samuel it says, now the boy, Samuel, this is 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to Yahuwah before Eli, and the word of Yahuwah was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was laying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, before the lamp of Elohim went out in the tabernacle of Yahuwah, where the ark of Elohim was, and while Samuel was laying down, that Yahuwah called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And then Yahuwah called again, yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know that Yahuwah, uh, no Yahuwah, nor was the word of Yahuwah yet revealed to him. And Yahuwah called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that Yahuwah had called the boy. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, speak, Yahuwah, for your servant hears, or your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now Yahuwah came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, said, said answered, speak. For your servant hears. See his response? Immediately, as soon as he starts talking to him, his response is, I'm here. I'm available. Your servant hears. Same thing with Ezekiel. 
Ezekiel agrees to be Yahuwah's watchman. He says, I will not only warn the righteous, but also the wicked, lest their blood be upon my hands. Right? And then lastly, I use the example of Amos, because in Amos chapter 7, verse 14, it, he says, he, he's talking to the wicked king, I believe it was Ahaz, and he says, I was not a prophet, nor was I the son of a prophet, but I was a sheep herder and a tender of figs, uh, tender of figs or trees, sycamores, sorry, sycamores, tender of sycamores, but Yahweh called me and told me, go and prophesy to Israel. So basically he's saying, so here I am. You don't want to hear what I have to say, but I've got to follow what my master tells me to do. Make sense? And see, the point that Yahweh was showing me a couple days ago is that Yahweh does not call those who think they can answer the call upon their lives without him. He doesn't call the boastful, the arrogant, the prideful, the ones who think they have all the answers, the most talented, etc. But he calls those who know that they cannot answer the call upon their lives that he has for them without him. Ultimately, he desires our humble obedience, not our perfection. He didn't want Moshe to be this great speaker, this, you know, eloquent speaker who, who knew everything to say, who, who had all this knowledge and everything and, and had it all planned out of how he was doing it. No, he doesn't want us to lean upon our own understanding, our own knowledge. In all of our ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct our paths as Proverbs 3 and 5, 3, 5, and 6 speak of. Make sense so far? So let's continue with Exodus 4. In verse 14. Verse 13, sorry. So after he says, now go, I shall be with your mouth and teach you what to say. But he said, oh, yeah, well, please sin by the hand of him who you would sin. And the displeasure of Yahweh will burn against Moshe. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he speaks well. See, sometimes Yahweh will call us to do something that's so big, so grand, which is what it was with Moshe, where we can't do it on our own. We need one another. We need to partner with one another. Sometimes I have a puzzle piece uh, that you need, and you have a puzzle piece that I need, and, and together we can do great things, right? I know that he speaks well, and see, he also had, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he should be glad in his heart. And you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I am with your mouth and with his mouth, and I shall teach you what to do. Hang on, I got to fix something. Jose, can you mute that? You mute, mute what, brother? I heard a microphone. I'm not sure what it was. Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay, thanks. Um, so 
I, and I am with your mouth and with his mouth, and I shall teach you what to do. And he shall speak for you to the people, and it shall be, and it shall be that he shall be a mouth for you, and you shall be an Elohim for him. Footnote, a mighty one, which is proof that Elohim is but a title indicating order or authority. It is not a proper name. That's from the ISR 1998, if you're wondering where that source is from. But verse 17 says, and take this rod in your hand, which you shall do the signs. Remember the signs? The three signs. Throw the rod down, becomes a serpent. Grab it by the tail, becomes a rod again. Put your hand in your cloak, under your bosom. Becomes leprous. Last sign is pour the water on the dry land, and it becomes a um, uh, it becomes blood, right? And then verse eighteen. This is when Moshe returns to Egypt. Okay. Then Moshe went and returned to Yithro. Again, that's rule. Same guy. His father-in-law and said to him, please let me go and return to my brothers who are in Mitzrayim to see whether they are still alive. And Yithro said to Moshe, go in peace. And Yahweh said to Moshe and Midian, go, return to Mitzrayim for all the men who are dead, for all the men are dead who sought your life. Now, what's really interesting, now it's different parallel. It's like almost the opposite, right? Because with Moshe, he left Mitzrayim to, in fear for his life and went to another place. But when you look at the life of Yahusha, an angel warns Joseph, and Joseph, who obviously warns Mary, and they leave uh, Bethlehem and they flee to Egypt. And then after Herod dies, they, the angel comes to them and says, go, return back to Egypt. Or, not Egypt, um, leave Egypt and return back to Bethlehem and, and, you know, dwell in the city of Nazareth for the men who sought your child's life are dead. There's this parallel that's taking place, right? An opposite. Hopefully you get it. Um, but go and return to Mitzrayim for all the men who are dead who sought your life. So Moshe took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey and he returned to the land of Mitzrayim. And Moshe took the rod of Elohim in his hand. See, it's no longer Moshe's rod. Now it's the rod of Elohim because he submitted what he had to Yahuwah to, to bless it, to anoint it, right? And Yahuwah said to Moshe, as you go back to Mitzrayim, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I am going to harden his heart so that he does not let the people go. And you shall say to Pharaoh, thus said Yahuwah, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And I say to you, let my son go to serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, if you refuse to let him go, See, I'm going to kill your son, your firstborn. Which doesn't that happen in the last plague? We'll get to that later. But little snippet there. It actually takes place, right? And it came to be on the way in the lodging place that Yahuwah met him and sought to kill him. And Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and threw it at Moshe's feet and said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him go, and she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. 
And Yahweh said to Aaron, go to meet Moshe in the wilderness. And he went and met him on the mountain of Elohim and kissed him. And Moshe then told Aharon all the words of Yahuwah who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moshe with Aharon gathered together all the elders of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which Yahuwah had spoken to Moshe. Then he did the signs, the three signs before the eyes of the people. And the people believed. And they heard that Yahuwah had visited, visited the children of Israel. And they looked upon their affliction and they bowed down their heads and did obeisance or obedience. They worshiped him, right? So now in Exodus chapter five, it says, and afterwards Moshe and Aharon went in and said to Pharaoh, thus said Yahuwah Elohim of Israel, let my people go so that they may keep a festival to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is Yahuwah that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know Yahuwah, nor am I going to let Israel go. That's what he's saying right here. He's saying, I do not know this Yahuwah. He calls him God in, in the movie, but you get what I'm saying. Neither will I let your people go. Right? And they said, the Elohim of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days into the wilderness and slaughter to Yahuwah our Elohim, lest he fall upon us with pestilence and with sword. Now, this caught me off guard because I thought, and we'll come back to this in Q&A, but I want, I want you guys' responses on why you think that Yahuwah would have fell upon them with pestilence and with sword if they didn't go into the wilderness and slaughter to him, they didn't go and offer up sacrifices to him. Okay. But the king of Mitzrayim said to them, Moshe and Aharon, why do you take the people from their work? Go back, get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, see, the people of the land are many now, and you make them cease from their burdens. And that's the same day Pharaoh commanded the slave drivers of the people and the foreman saying, you are no longer to give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves and lay on them the required amount of bricks, which they made before. Do not diminish it for they are idle. That's why they cry out saying, let us go and slaughter to our Elohim. Let more work be laid upon the, be laid upon the men so that they labor in it and not pay attention to words of falsehood. Now, isn't it interesting that right now, you know, these conspiracy, conspiracy theories are being shot down about this vaccine, about the end times, about the mark of the beast, about all this stuff. And the world's crying out to everybody through the media saying, get back to work. Pay no attention to those words of falsehood. Pay no attention to that man trying to warn you or that woman trying to warn you about the end times, about the day of your visitation, of your savior, your deliverer coming, but get back to work. And not only that, but, you know, like I said recently, I think it was this week even, that the CDC said, you know what? We're not just going to make you wear one mask or recommend that we're, you're wearing one mask in public without ridicule, but now it's two. 
see, you can see the correlation, right? Now, I do believe that eventually some of us are going to face literal slavery where this, this type of situation where, you know, possibly they're making bricks or, or doing some other type of, of slave labor and stuff like that. And it's going to increase. It's going to continue to increase and continue and increase as, and that, like I touched on last week, that's what actually causes us to cry out for our Abba to deliver us, right? But the, the second, you know, the, the giving them no straw, but requiring them to have the same amount of bricks, that's like, for us, you know, that's like, oh, not only do you have to wear one mask, now you got to wear two. Because ultimately their goal is if you were to put a bag over your head, because they don't want you to breathe at all. But they don't want to just come out and say it. So they just want to kind of gradually, like, yeah, let's let's get them to keep uh, breathing in these particles, keep breathing in their own CO2, keep breathing in these toxins again, right? Verse 10, and the slave drivers of the people, your mayors, your governors, your senators, your congressmen, your presidents, your prime ministers, etc. I don't know if I missed anybody, your chancellors, whatever, of the people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people saying, thus said Pharaoh, I do not give you straw. I do not give you straw. Go and take straw for yourselves wherever you find it, for you shall your work shall not be diminished. And the people were scattered in all the land of Mitzrayim to gather stubble for straw. And the slave drivers were hurrying them on, saying, Complete your work, your daily amount, when there, as it, when there was straw. Also the foremen of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's slave drivers had set over them, were beaten and asked, why have you not completed your task in making bricks both yesterday and today as, a, as before? And the foreman of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh saying, why do you treat your servants this way? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, make bricks and see your servants are beaten, but your own people are at fault. But he said, you are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, let us go and slaughter to Yahuwah. So now go, work, and the straw is not given to you, but deliver the amount of bricks. And the foreman of the children of Israel, so some of the, what I'm getting from this is that some of the Israelites were actually plucked out and they said, hey, we're not just going to have you be a slave, but we're actually going to promote you to a foreman position where you'll oversee your brother's slavery. And those are the ones who are coming to Pharaoh here in this section. And the foreman said to the, of the children of Israel, saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you are not to diminish your daily amount of bricks. And when they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moshe and Aharon, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let Yahuwah look on you and judge you because you have made us loathsome in the eyes of Pharaoh. in the eyes of his servants, to give a sword in their hand to kill us. And Moshe returned to Yahuwah and said, Yahuwah, why have you done evil to these people? Why did you send me? For ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. So Moses switches roles, and he becomes 
a mediator. This is part of the reason why Yahusha is known as the greater Moses, the greater David, the greater Joshua, all these different things is because Moshe was a shadow picture of our Kohen Haggadah, our high priest, Yahusha, who's the mediator. You know, it talks, I think it's in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it talks about that. Maybe it's 2 Timothy chapter 2. But, and also in the movie, I, I wish I could have found uh, the gif of it. You know, these are little gifs, these little short little clips, these little videos. But this part in the movie, there's actually one of the slaves takes a glob of mud, got a glob of clay and throws it at Moshe in disgust because of this situation, because the, the straw was taken away and the bricks are demanded and all this stuff. Okay. So Moshe begins to ask the question, why, why have you done evil to these people? Why did you send me? Why have you not delivered us? Right? And then in chapter 6, it says, see now. Now see what I do. And Yahweh said, now see what I do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he is going to let them go. With a strong hand, he is going to drive them out of his land. And Elohim spoke to Moshe and said to him, I am Yahweh. He's he's reintroducing himself. Let, pay attention to how many times he utters the phrase, I am Yahweh. Okay? Because what did, what did um, Pharaoh say? He says, this Yahweh I do not know, nor will I let your people go. Right? Watch what he does, okay? And he says in verse 3, And I appeared to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yahakov as El Shaddai, Yahuwah Almighty, and by my name, Yahuwah. Now, some translations says, Was I not known to them? Like a question mark. But others say, I was not known to them. So they only knew me as El Shaddai, El Roy, the, the Elohim who sees all this stuff, but now I'm introducing myself. I am Yahuwah. That's what he's saying here, okay? <clears throat> Verse four, and, and I also established my covenant with them, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their sojournings, in which they have sojourned. And I also have heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Mitzrites are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the children of Israel, I am Yahweh. See, there he says it again. And I shall bring you out from under the burdens of the Mitzrites and shall deliver you from their enslaving and shall redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. So the very great judgments, the plagues, if you will, that he pours out upon Mitzrayim, upon Egypt, and will he pour out upon Mystery Babylon, are the very things that cause us to be delivered. Joel 3 talks on that. You can look it up. And you shall, verse 7, and you shall take as my, sorry, and shall take you as my people, and I shall be your Elohim. And you shall know that I am Yahuwah, your Elohim, who is bringing you out from under the burdens of the Mitzrites. 
And I shall bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham. He swore by whom? No one higher than himself in Genesis 12, as our brother Matthew is so eloquently put it, to give Abraham to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, and to give it to you as an inheritance. I am Yahweh. Fourth time now he says it. And Moshe spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not listen to Moshe because of the shortness of spirit from their hard slavery. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, Go in, speak to Pharaoh, the sovereign of Mitzrayim, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. Go out of his land. And what does Moshe do once again? And Moshe spoke before Yahuwah, saying, The children of Israel have not listened to me. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? For I am a man of un so for I am of uncircumcised lips. Going back to making the excuses again. It didn't work, Yahuwah. It didn't work. <laughs> Why would I do it again? I can't even get my own people to listen to me. How am I going to get Pharaoh to listen to me? Right? And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe and Aharon and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, the sovereign of Mitzrayim, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Mitzrayim. This is Yahuwah and Moshe to whom, sorry, this is Aaron. Man, I can't talk today. This is Aharon and Moshe to whom Yahuwah said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Mitzrayim according to their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, uh, sovereign of Mitzrayim, to bring out the children of Israel from Mitzrayim. This is Moshe and Aharon. And it came to be on the day when Yahweh spoke to Moshe, this is verse 28 of chapter 6, in the land of Mitzrayim, that Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, I am Yahweh, fifth time. Speak to Pharaoh, sovereign of Mitzrayim, all that I say to you. How much? All that I say to you. All that I command you, all that I say to you. And Moshe said before Yahuwah, see, again, I'm of uncircumcised lips. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? Now we're in chapter 7. Moshe and Aharon before Pharaoh. So Yahuwah said to Moshe, see, I have made you an Elohim to Pharaoh, and Aharon, your brother, is your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aharon, your brother, shall speak to Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go out of his land. But I am going to harden his heart. I'm going to harden his heart. And shall increase my signs and my wonders in the land of Mitzrayim. And Pharaoh is not going to listen to you, and I shall lay my hand on Mitzrayim and bring my divisions and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Mitzrayim by great judgments. And the Mitzrayim shall know that I am Yahuwah. That's six. When I stretch out my hand on Mitzrayim, I shall bring the children of Israel out from among them. So he's like, hey, they may not know me now. I heard him say that this Yahuwah I do not know, nor will I let his people go. That's what he heard Pharaoh say, heard him confess. He's like, well, you're about to know me. 
because I'm going to introduce myself to you through these plagues, right? And Yahoo and Moshe and, and Aaron did as Yahoo commanded them. So they did. Now, Moshe was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So this is very important. So Moshe's life is split up into three 40-year time periods. The 40 years, you know, from birth to age 40, around 40 is most likely when he left to go, he left Egypt to go into the wilderness, to go to Midian, be introduced to, you know, ended up being introduced to Zipporah, the burning bush, talked to Yahweh, all that stuff, grew up. And then at age 80, right around age 80 is when he returned back to Mitzrayim to speak to Aaron, to speak to the children of Israel, the elders and all that stuff. And ultimately here in verse seven, to speak to Pharaoh, right? And Yahweh spoke to Moshe and Aharon saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you saying, show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aharon, take your rod and throw it down before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. Same sign, right? The same as the first sign. So Moshe and Aharon went into Pharaoh, and they did as Yahweh commanded them. Always a good idea. And threw his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men, the practicers of witchcraft, and they, the magicians of Mitzrayim, or sorcerers, also did it with their magic. And they, each one, threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But the rod of Aaron swallowed up their rods, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as Yahweh had said. Now, um, I don't remember the Hebrew word for the Torah portion, but um, I believe it's uh, it was from a couple of weeks ago it, by, uh, by Matthew, where it's uh, titled, And He Approached. Um, I think is what it is. I can find it for you and post it. But Matthew gives a really good example of what is actually happening here, where he says it's not like this, like my snake is bigger than your snake comparison situation, but um, it's something different going on. And that serpent isn't actually a serpent in a snake as, as depicted here, but it's actually a seraph, a burning one, you know, um, if you actually look into the into the Hebrew there, you can see that. And also he touched on as well is when Pharaoh, when Pharaoh's heart hardened, that that meant like the weightiness of it was heavy, meaning like, you know, like how when uh, I think Brother Jose said last night, um, where Ezekiel 36, 26 talks about how Yahuwah will take our, he'll exchange our heart of stone that we have, our hardened heart of stone, and give us a heart of flesh that, you know, beats for him and everything like that. So it's saying here that, that Pharaoh was, you know, his heart became heavy like a stone, okay? Not that um, it literally, you know, hardened but he was just very set in his ways and he had already made his decision and Yahuwah allowed him to continue in that decision so anyway hopefully um you understand now what's going on and next week what we'll be touching on is 
um, or not next week, but because, um, you know, Brother Jose is going to teach next week. But the next time, uh, y'all willing, we'll be touching on part four and the end time Pharaoh. Okay. And we'll touch on the comparisons between how Pharaoh in Egypt was a shadow picture, a prophetic shadow picture of the end time Pharaoh in the anti-Messiah and how his magicians, his sorcerers, are a foreshadowing, a prophetic foreshadowing of the false prophet, the one who calls the, the lying signs and wonders down from heaven and causes all to worship the first beast, right? So anyway, I hope that you enjoyed the presentation this morning and Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. All right, thank you, brother, for that wonderful presentation. Um, um, very good. I, you know, <clears throat> there there is a difference between you know Yahuwah, Yahuwah's miracles, right, and and witchcraft, you know, and we see that um, there are, you know, there's a difference. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, how would you relate that? Do you do you have? Um, did you ever like put that together with the snake that was on the rod that, you know, when, yep. what, what, what would be your connection there? Um, um, people were, were healed because of it. Yeah. I have to go back and study it, but I've actually wrote a couple of blogs about that because obviously, you know, uh, you know, and that's where the whole, uh, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but it's like the, the pharmacy logo where it has the, the snake coiled around the, you know, the, the pole or the stake and everything like that, you know, that's where they came up with that. And they, you know, they, they perverted it, of course, you know, and also Yahusha said, just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so I will be lifted up. And, and, you know, speaking of how he would die on, on a stake or on a tree or on a pole, Storos in the Greek. Mm -hmm. And, um, I shall draw all men to myself, right? Mm. Um, but I think that what it was is that, you know, just like in these different encounters between, uh, you know, Moshe talking about, I'm a man of, of, of slow speech and everything like that. I'm uncircumcised lips, etc. And then Isaiah, especially who encountered the burning ones, the seraphim, and actually had them purge his lips with the hot coal. So I think in the wilderness that those who looked upon that, that, uh, that seraph on the pole, it was like a, you know, it was like the purging of their sin took place, you know, like, like the burning away of the dross, so to speak, is kind of what, what I get from that, you know, just kind of off the cuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah, thank you, brother. And, and it just goes to show that, um, uh, that, that, they, they, they used to worship so many things in Egypt when they came out immediately when they saw, you know, healing power from, from what Moshe did, they started worshiping, you know, the created and, you know, as opposed to worship, he who was lifted up, the creator, he's the one that needed to be worshiped and not the created things. And, uh, and I think the same thing ended up happening with the temple, you know, and all that is, it's just uh, that transference of worship, you know, how we're going to start worshiping the, the four walls where Yahuwah is supposed to meet with a priest or we're supposed to worship him uh, for he is, for he is in us. And, and 
and in our midst. And so um, we are not, you know, and that's why I think Yahushua also said, you know, there will be a day that you will not worship him uh, here, but, you know, you worship him in, in spirit and in truth. So, I mean, it's like he is with you wherever you go. I mean, regardless, yeah. right? Um, and um, so it's, it's not about taking the man-made things and, and using that uh, as their golden calf. You can turn anything into a golden calf, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think uh, Le Beth, Lisi? Hi. I'm not to call you yeah. Lisi from now on. <laughs> That's fine, Liz. Lizzie is great. Uh, I just don't like the sound of Beth in English. It's weird to me. Uh, that's how I'm calling Portuguese, but it sounds totally different, so that's why. Anyhow, uh, uh, again, you know, still about the, the, the seraph or the, the snake or the serpent, is it like, I, I didn't hear the Nolan teaching that you mentioned, Brandon, but is it different uh, Hebrew words from the first one? that Yahuwah showed Moshe uh, up on the mountain, you know, Horeb, when he first manifested in the burning bush, where his rod became a serpent. Then inside of Pharaoh's court, where his rod became a serpent again. And then the magicians did the same. And then, you know, on the pole where the people looked uh, to be healed, you know, we have at least four mentions there of the word uh, serpent or snake. I mean, are they all the same Hebrew word? Because it's confusing to me, like how, you know, how could it be a seraph in all of them? It doesn't yeah. make sense. Right. Um, let me um, look here. Okay, my other question, uh, as you're looking at that one, um, mm -hmm. my other question is about Moshe's name that you mentioned. You know, I think it's back in... Um, I think chapter two of Exodus, when Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and then you know his sister suggests that she can call a Hebrew woman to nurse him. He goes away for, I'm assuming, a few years, you know, until he's weaned, and then when he comes back, that's when she names him Moshe. I never, I had never noticed that she only named him after he was a little bit older. So up until that point, he had no name, or you know, maybe his mother, his original blood mother, call him a different name. But it was Pharaoh's daughter that named him Moshe. Moshe is a Hebrew name. So I was wondering today for the first time, I'm like, well, wait a minute, she's an Egyptian. Why did she give him a Hebrew name? Did she speak Hebrew or, you know, I just mm. was curious about that. Never, I had never thought of that question before, but anyhow. Yeah, that's Oh yeah. Thought. Or, um, or um, you know, again, we know that Genesis and Exodus, you know, were all recorded at Mount Sinai, you know, so maybe, maybe um, Moshe took whatever name he was called in Mitzrayim and just made it into a, uh, you know, the Hebrew name. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's a, you know, it's a good question. Might have been a suggestion, by because, you know, by the mother or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Could be. Uh, but about the serpent, you were, you were posting here this word, Nasha. Yeah. And uh, spot right now. this is from what uh, verse? That's from Exodus 4.3. 4, 3. In the courts, right? In the court of Pharaoh. No. No. no? Um, it's, it's out in the wilderness of the burning bush. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
Okay, Exodus 7.9. Sorry, I had to look for it. Yeah, so it's a different... Yeah, you were right. It's a different... Uh, it's a different word. It says serpent, but it's... Uh, Hmm, interesting. Down the rabbit hole we go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a way different word. It's like yeah, I was curious tiny, because tiny. I heard this. Yeah, I heard this teaching years ago by Paul Sides. He also said that it was a seraph on the pole that the people looked at, and not a snake. So um, oh, and that, you know, that's like always... numbers numbers twenty two, right? I think no. Numbers 21, maybe? Yeah, bronze serpent. Here we go. Nope, it is it is the uh, Nahash on, um, on the pole. So it's the same Nahash as it was in Exodus 4, but in Exodus 7, it's this Tanim or Tanim, um, Okay, blessings, Roger, um, where it says that is sea serpent or jackal, dragon, sea monster, serpent, whale. Interesting. But that, that's just in uh, Exodus 4-3, right? No, 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 that's, that's 7 6. This is this second word is from seven, Exodus 7 6 when he faces off against uh, Pharaoh. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I meant uh, at Pharaoh's court. So, but still, I mean, from this definition here, uh, a marine or land monster that is sea serpent or jackal, dragon, sea monster, serpent, whale. Or how uh, how did he get Sarah from this? Is it the same word as, know. for example, in Isaiah 6? Uh, we yeah. do have to really study uh, that later. Yeah. Because... Let's look at Isaiah. Um... No, seraph, seraphim is uh, seraph, so it's a totally different. Yeah, we really have to hear, uh, listen to his teaching to see, you know, where he got yeah, it from. Yeah, I'm trying because to. There must, there to must find be it. some kind of logic, but I, I don't see it. But I'm sure there's a reason why they came up with that because this, you know, Matthew Nolan's the second person that taught, that taught that that I taught mm -hmm. so far. Yeah, I'll see if I can look at it or, or see if I can find it and post it here. Yeah. And to answer that other question, who named uh, Moshe? Well, that was Pharaoh's daughter, according to um, uh, Exodus 2, uh, verse 10, verse 9 through 10. Yeah, that's why I was wondering why, why would she give him an, a Hebrew name if she was Egyptian? Maybe out of the counsel of his mother, his actual Yeah, mother. that's what I figured, you know. They might have come up with a name together. Mm -hmm. They might have asked, you know, like, how do you say drawn out of the water in your language, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, he knew. Uh, he, he, he may, as he grew up, he, he uh, obviously knew the Hebrew heritage and all that. Um, he knew who, who he was from. I just put the link to the one that I think it is. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. 
and it, it doesn't happen until pretty late in the teaching when he talks about it. But I think it's like around um, the 40th minute mark on or something like that. So, but yeah, there you go. I was joking last night. I said, all right, for all the tough questions, I'm just going to pull a new sec new press secretary and be like, you know what? That's a really good question. And I'm going to, I'm going to circle back on that one, you know? So it's just Lizzie. That's a really good question. I'm going to circle oh. back. <laughs> that's all right, brother. Thank you. Anyhow, yeah. we'll be together again soon. Yeah. Oh, man. And hey, just so you know, my, my, my power here is it, it glitched a little bit because it's been raining and there's a lot of thundering outside just to give you a heads up. I'm hearing th so um, in case I, in case I go out I haven't been raptured my power just went out you know. Um, but anyway, uh, I also you know um, I like Exodus you know 6-3 how it really um, you know uh, declares who that his name you know he says I appear to Abraham Isaac and Jacob and Almighty but but by my name, Yahuwah, I did not myself known to them. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's wonderful because I was actually doing a, 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 um, a study on his name. Um, and we see on Exodus 15, 3, he says, Yahuwah is a warrior. Yahuwah is his name. And that's the, and also in uh, Jeremiah, he says, thus says Yahuwah who, who made the earth, Yahuwah who formed and established it, Yahuwah is his name. And it's just going, and, and even Isaiah, I am Yahuwah, that is my name. I mean, he just told Isaiah, that is my name, Yahuwah. Um, Amos, same thing. Um, you know, Yahuwah is my name. That's, that comes right out of his, his words. Um, Jeremiah, Yahuwah of hosts is his name. And so on and so on. Hosea, Yahuwah is his name. Yeah, so I mean, we're we are blessed. I mean, we um, we have um, you know, um, we see his his name, you know, being exalted by by the prophets and throughout the narrative of the Bible. Um, and I know there there may be there may be some instances where they actually, you know, um, see see the name that was given to Moshe that that one time in the mountain and. And that's fine. That is also, you know, part of who he is, and and it is part of his name. And I don't, I don't think there's no no issue there. But I think it's important that we know that um, over 6,500 times his name has been written in the scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think in uh, in uh, Exodus, uh, is it 3:15? Yeah, 3:15, mm. where he says, "The I am that I am, or I am that I will be." It's kind of like he's giving the meaning of his name, and then he says the name itself. Right. That's mm. how I see it because yeah. you know, uh, every name in Hebrew has a meaning, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, Judah means praise, but praise is not Judah's name. Praise is the meaning of his name. Right. The name is Judah, you know. <laughs> That's how I see it. I don't know why that? people go on go on these crazy rabbit trails, you know, like just like Brenda was saying in the beginning of the our meeting today that you know there's just so many winds of doctrine coming up people are just itching ears you know just they need to have something new that it's really pride you know oh look what i found you know just yeah who revealed this incredible revelation to me that nobody knows 
and it's nothing that we've thought before. You know, even in our group over there in the Mishpaha in the Telegram, this guy now is coming and saying that hallelujah is a wicked word because Hallel means uh, Hafatan or Lucifer, whatever. You know, and it's like, come on, give me a break. You know, when are you going to stop? And this is crazy. Uh, I don't know why this is happening. I guess it's part of the falling away. But, you know, people yeah. coming out and saying that honey is unclean. That, you know, <laughs> almost every day you're going to hear something new, you know. Yeah. It's mm. exactly what Paul said, the new winds of doctrine. Yep. That we, we're not supposed to be listening to any of that. You know, we're supposed to be settled in our faith. Yes, we do find new things and old things. Just like he said, the, the you know, parable about the good steward, or the good uh, husbandman who brings from his storehouse new things and, and, and old things. But these new things, they need to be, you know, in the light of, the core of our faith. It can't be just a totally different thing, you know, out there. Otherwise, you know, there's never going to be a, a set of, uh, of faith, of set faith. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. It, yeah, it's very dangerous. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say it's, it's very dangerous to deny his name. It's very dangerous. And, um, there are people that are being drawn into, um, uh, some teachings that are, um, making the name Yahuwah null and void. Uh, and that's dangerous, very yeah. dangerous territory to walk on. Yeah. Um, we have to be very cautious about... regarding that. I'm not saying that you can't call him what Moshe would call him the mountain, because that's also, yeah. you know, who he is. But to then say that another name is evil or pagan rooted and this and that when it's when it's been it's been proven to be written not just in Hebrew, but also in um, in the. There was also it, it was written also in the. I want to say was was it Syrian? Anyway, uh -huh. about a thousand. Yeah, in the Targum, right in the yeah. Syriac, about a thousand BC. It, 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 in Paleo Hebrew, it was actually found. You know the Yohevavhe, and um, it's. And uh, isn't it uh, uh, Indiana Jones? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it is. I, I I watched it and I actually took a screen. I, I took a picture of it and posted it. And I said, do you see that what I said? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they know it, okay, yeah. they know it. If, yeah. if Hassan knows his name, why are we going to be messing with it and saying, no, that's not, that's not it. You know? Yeah. Well, that's what, what I was, he wants. Yeah. What I was talking about last night was, you know, the fact that just what you were, you know, kind of addressing those, those itching ears. And right now, Yahuwah is allowing people to be tested a lot to where it's either, hey, you're going to listen to my word and what I speak to you through my word and also, you know, through my, my spirit speaking to your spirit, or you're going to have itching ears that are tingling for this new Gnosticism, this new secret knowledge that you know is part of the knowledge of of the tree of good and evil you know where like oh nobody knows this no no one else has been yeah revealed it's, this. it's this really the spirit yeah it's the spirit of the occult really yeah, because your occult really knowledge is. is what the nephilim what you know were bringing to human beings you know yeah. that yeah. uh seducive it's the pride of life you know it's the yeah. part of the world that is the pride of life that really seduced ease to eat the fruit just like you right. said you know, and Matthew Nolan was saying in the last, uh, his last presentation about X9, 
that it's like denying Paul. You know, you're gonna have to, you're really gonna have to delete 98% or 99% of the Brit Hadashah if you, if you yep. deny Paul. And you're, you're gonna start taking all kinds of chunks out of the word. Yep. Uh, just like the Jehovah's Witnesses do, they change it, they take it out, you know, they take out chunks. And in, in Hazon Revelation, it says so clearly that curse, you know, there's a curse for people who do that. They're going to be cursed. They're, they are accursed, you know, if they do it, but they're not, they don't realize it. And like you said, uh, and you, I, I saw on your Facebook page, like you'll be, you know, on a crusade, you know, in a good sense of the word against this teaching that Yahusha was just a man. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know why I fell for that, you know, when I first came to the truth, because I just happened to follow this false teacher for three three years or so, yeah. and it robbed me so much, you know. Yahuwah was merciful to bring me out of that um, understanding or notion, but honestly, I could have I could have been doomed, you know, by this teaching. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very true. And, and as you know, I've talked to you about it as well, where, you know, for probably a good eight to 12 months, I was in that place too, where I was confused about who Yahoo and Yahusha were and their the relationship with one another and all that stuff. And I was, I was literally friends with those who were under the influence of demons because it's the doctrines of devils to take away Yahusha's divinity. Because he is like, and I, I, what was funny is I proved this in the Greek yesterday. Um, the the same two Greek words that are used in the Septuagint of Exodus three fourteen are the same two words that he when he said in John eight fifty eight when he was telling them before Abraham was, I am. He was referring to himself as the I am. He was saying that it wasn't, he's like, Moshe spoke of me and Moshe's a witness against you because if you had listened to Moshe, you would listen to me because I am the one who was speaking to Moshe through the burning bush. So yeah, it's a really, it's a really uh, delicate slippery slope because, you know, first you throw out Paul, you know, okay. Then you start thinking Yahushua's only a man. Well, then you got to deal with, well, now I can't reconcile Deuteronomy 6.4 that says Yahuwah is one, right? Shema, the Shema, you know? And now you got to deal with, well, now Isaiah says that Yahuwah says that I'm your only savior. And now you just throw out Yahushua altogether because you're like, well, it, you know, so it's a very delicate, slippery slope as you are awakening to the truth, you know, and you realize, okay, the Trinity's pagan. The, the Trinity is not real. But one thing that the Christians have right is that, you know, and they call him God and Jesus, obviously, but that the Father and the Son are one, and they are. It's that, it's that uh, you know, Yahuwah, it says in John 4, 23 and 24, that Yahuwah is spirit. So that's what Yahuwah is. His only representation is spirit. He's the concealed Yahweh that, that uh, you know, Matthew talks about in the Melchizedek teachings and in the truth or Trinity. And then his only revealing to us in this world, in this realm, if you will, is in and through Yahusha. Yes. That's it. And, 
And, you know, you can't have a human savior because a man can't redeem another man or a man can't redeem his brother, as Psalm 49 verse 7 talks about. And also, how can he be a human who was baptized into repentance, which is not what happened, but that's what they say happened. And then all of a sudden, how, how can how can corruption breed or bring forth the incorruptible? It can't. It violates Torah because like kind is after like kind, right? Seed produces fruit. That's that's the only way it goes. So that's why the Melchizedek message is so important. And that's why, you know, um, at least for me, I, I know I think I can speak forth for Brother Jose as well and others who were involved in Torah to the tribes is why we've locked arms with Matthew Nolan in this in the trenches in the foxholes if you will and we're bringing forth this message of Melchizedek forward to people and being ambassadors with him under it is because it's literally salvational because you have the lawless doctrine of Christianity you know where you're in lawlessness this ditch over here and then you have this ditch of the Hebrew roots and messianic and non-messianic where they're trying to throw they're trying to put you back under the law entirely and if you are under any of it then you're under all of it you know and you're under all the curses that come along with it and everything else but the narrow path of Melchizedek is the royal covenant Torah yeah that's why he said so so few find it you know yeah. so few find it yeah because most people fall either one you know one ditch or the other and it's mm -hmm. a typical case also of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know, coming out of Christianity. These people want to throw every single thing away when, you know, in the Christian doctrine, there is much truth. Yeah. But there were paganism, you know, there was paganism that was inserted there by, you know, uh, Constantine and all that. We know it. So mm -hmm. there are some verses that, yes, in fact, were added. And even any study Bible will show you that, like the end of uh, Mark, for example. Um, I think like the last chapter of Mark, for example, you know, I think it's chapter 16, it only actually goes to verse 8, after verse 9, all the way to the end, you know, it pick up serpents and all that, that was never in the original manuscripts, and, and like, oh, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, uh, you know, those, those verses, we can, we can actually prove that they were added by mm -hmm. the Romans, you know, by the Catholic uh, Church, but that doesn't mean that we take the whole thing and throw it away. You know, that's crazy. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. Um, honey? Stephanie? <laughs> yeah, I'm you're, here. You're number one fan. <laughs> yeah. um, so I had sent this to Brandon, um, and he put it in the chat. So I found this interesting. And, um, of course, you know, you can test it for yourself. It's a website, so I don't know what is true that's written on there. But... Um, what I found was interesting. It said that Moshe, Moshe was named 10 different names. Um, and it lists the 10 different names. And the 10th is uh, Levi. And it says, so named after the tribe to which Moshe belonged. So I just found it very interesting if you want to check it out. Um, and I think Moses' uh, mother was Jochebed, right? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's Jokabev, but yeah, Jokabev. Okay, yeah, cool. So that's all.
Th thanks, St St uh, Stephanie. Did you say you put that in the in the chat? Yeah, somewhere? it's in the chat. It's under yes, your name, Brandon. Or under yeah, it's your... under because yeah. she sent it to me. So then I, I. Yeah, that link actually is broken. I just I was okay. able to find the page though. I'll try to put the another link there because I tried to use the link that was posted but didn't work. Oh okay. I'll have to recopy it and send it to Brandon because I actually wrote it out like by hand, like I typed it out by itself, but I'll send the link to Brandon and maybe he can re um, put it in the chat for everyone. Mm. Okay. It, my my link works. It seems to work. I just, I just did. I just put it there. Oh, okay. Because yeah. because the way that Stephanie wrote it, it didn't light up uh, uh, blue oh. as it needs yeah. to be. It wasn't a real link. Oh, I got you. The hyperlink. Okay, I understand. Yeah, makes sense. All right. I, Any, I, um... I also wanted to say something that is prophetic to, and you, you, and of course, and I think we have plenty of evidence that actually uh, will, you know, basically support this. But in Jeremiah 44, 26, um, Yahuwah, well, you know, let's go back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter one. He, he put the, the, his name in Jeremiah's mouth, right? As well, his prophets and all that. Yeah. But then on Jeremiah 44, we see the, he did the exact opposite to those who were living in Egypt or at least that type of lifestyle. And on Jeremiah 44, 26, it reads, nevertheless, hear the word of Yahuwah, all you people of Judah living in Egypt, behold, I have sworn my name by my name, says Yahuwah, that never again will a man of Judah living in the land of Egypt invoke my name, hmm. okay? Invoke my name um, and say, and, and also, or say as surely as Yahuwah lives. So we see that, you know, who was profaning his name all the time? Well, who, the synagogue of Satan. So what did he do? He made them, he made them take his name out. So when they pray, they don't even have to even mention his name. Now they change it to, to Adonai or Shemesh and all this stuff, you know, like, you know, or Asham or, or, you know, all these other names, the Lord. And so what did he do? He took the, his name, which is pure, out of their mouths. So you saw, right. you see that in, our, in, in, in people's lives today. Um, so he chooses who he gives his name to and who he, who he doesn't give his name to. Yeah. When Yahushua prayed over his disciple, he said, you know, I have revealed my name i mean your name which is in me to them to the disciples so yahushua revealed his name um that's how important his name is so just wanted to add that on there because um yeah, yeah he chooses whoever he wants to uh you know call him by his name yeah i i just thought it was interesting that um and i i'm really glad that uh, brother cameron brought it up last night because i didn't realize that the translation I was using, which I was using, my notes were from um, the uh, ISR 1998, <clears throat> which is uh, a previous version of what is called the TS 2009 or, or the scriptures. Um, but yeah, I noticed that, you know, that in, in uh, chapter six, verse three of, of Exodus, you know, where my scriptures stated it as a question, but he's actually saying that, hey, to all these men, I never revealed my name to them as Yahuwah. You know, they only knew me as, as El Shaddai and, and everything like that. But it was like, it was like with, with uh, this, these chapters, it was his like coming out of like, hey, 
I'm going to introduce myself to you. Not only will the Hebrews know that I am Yahuwah who's delivering them out of the hand of the Mitzrayims, but the Mitzrites who don't know me, who Pharaoh has said, I do not know this, this Yahuwah, nor will I let his people go. Well, Yahuwah is saying, oh, you don't know me yet, but you certainly will after I'm done with you type thing. And, you know, I think that's why so many times, and I mean, I think I counted like almost seven times within that one chapter uh, or part, part, like all of chapter six and then like part of chapter seven, where he says the phrase, I am Yahweh. Like he's, he's reiterating who he is and everything like that. So I just thought it was, uh, you know, interesting that, you know, Pharaoh was like, hey, I know all these other, you know, uh, Egyptian mighty ones and everything like that. I know all of their names, but I've never heard of this one. And he's like, oh, well, don't worry. You'll, you'll know me, you know, <laughs> and not only that, but I'm going to embarrass all your other ones. So yeah, it's, it's that's uh, right. There, there's no power on the, on those other Elohims they used to worship mm -hmm. only in his name for sure. Any um, other, uh, any other questions about the teaching or comments? Hopefully you enjoyed it. It was interesting that you uh, mentioned the third uh, sign that he gave to Moshe today of getting water and throwing it uh, on the ground and it became blood because I had never noticed that there was a third sign. And that, that was actually like uh, giving the previews of the movie that they were going to see later in the Nile becoming blood and all. Uh, I had never noticed that. It's amazing how in scripture you can read it a hundred times and there's a one little verse or a half a verse yeah. or just those two words that you just never noticed were there, you know? Yeah, and just like the last time with part two, you know, I didn't notice that it was um, that it was his sister who went to Pharaoh's daughter and asked her, should I get someone to nurse him for him? or for you. And that's how he ended up being nursed again by his mother, who he was stolen away from, you know, from, uh, you know, the persecution. And she got paid to do it too. It became yeah. a job, uh, you know, a paid right. job. Yeah. <laughs> she, she got paid, paid to do something. To <laughs> yeah. She, she got paid to do something that she would have done for free. Like how, how uh, interesting, how he, how he just turns that's, that that's how around. that's how much uh yahoo rewarded her faith you know i was mm -hmm. actually um watching a short clip from a, a brother in uh, in the uk well he's a christian but you know like we know that some christians are really they have a connection to yahoo they just don't have the whole truth yet and he was talking about this uh basket where she put him where jokebet put moshi how much faith it took for her to put him there because she knew that the basket is called an ark in, in, our, in the scriptures. And the ark is the place of safety mm -hmm. where, you know, everything could be just absolutely, you know, going, going into smithereens around that ark, you know, the whole deluge and the, and the flood. And, and in our uh, time, you know, like how the world is going to be destroyed with fire and all these judgments and all this peril could all be around this ark, but inside the ark is perfect safety. So that's why she put him there. And the scriptures called it an ark. And he was telling us and exhorting the people, the brothers and sisters in this video, 
for us to put our loved ones, the people that we love, it could be our children or our, you know, our spouses or you know, the, the, our unbelievers, and we keep crying out for them and praying for them. He said, you know, just focus on me now. Just put them in this little ark, this basket, and let them be, you know, put them on, on the river. I'll take care of them. You know, it, it, it took a lot of faith for Jokerberg to do that. And in the movie, it's beautiful how she sings that song. It's just so, yeah, it's so moving, you know, when she sings, the song is beautiful and how she's saying, you know, she's praying, it's a prayer for Yahweh to, uh, to care for the baby and not, not to let, and how they, they picture in the movie those uh, crocodiles or I don't know. Or, or Yeah, they were crocs. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And then the hippos. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah, hippos and the, the big boats and everything, all the perils that that the ark uh, was uh, exposed to and how he kept the baby perfectly safe in the in the ark. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, and, and um, you know, that that could be pre-configured as some sort of baptism, you know, what, you know, and he, he never rejected who he was, you know. His heart was for the people of Israel, you know. Um, eventually, you know, he he showed that, and uh, it cost him, you know, for him to have to, you know, leave and all that, and escape. But um, yeah, so you know, crossing over water, you know, is, is so symbolic throughout Scripture. You know, crossing over the, the the reed, the sea of reed, or the Red Sea, or the Jordan. You know, right after that, there's there's a land that you know, there's a land that Yahuwah is putting you on for a purpose, you know. <laughs> And it's beautiful in the burning bush experience also because because Moshe was he was nourished by his own mother so he had a a basic notion of who the the God of Abraham and uh, Isaac and Jacob was he had heard about you know the Hebrew Elohim but he didn't know him personally so this is so similar to so many of us and even our children or you know so many people. You might grow up, you know, hearing about him, about the stories of the Bible and about what he did, about Yahushua and how he came and died. But to you, it's like, it's like stories, really. To Moshe, in a way, it was like stories that he heard. But he had never had a revelation, a real encounter with him to get to actually know him. So it's only when Yahuwah chooses to reveal himself to someone that they're going to really become, you know, a child and a servant and, and surrender his, their lives to him. Yep. So that is awesome. Absolutely, I definitely agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. He, he takes the the the, uh, the least likely to succeed, and he makes them the most successful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he's being persecuted. They're after him. We're about to kill him, and yet he goes and and goes into the lion's den and uh, overthrow the kingdom of Egypt. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, of course, with Yahuwah, um, within Yahuwah, you know, Yahuwah's uh, power, and you know, of course. Um, we can't do anything without him. We are nothing without him. So Not me, you are nothing. I'm going to bring but. up the, the question that I had here because in Exodus 5.3, remember just to uh, refresh our minds, it says, and they said, the Elohim of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness and slaughter to Yahuwah our Elohim, lest he fall upon us with pestilence and sword. So why would Yahuwah fall upon them with pestilence and sword if they didn't go and slaughter to him, if they didn't go and make an offering to him? Raquel? 
I don't have an answer to that one. All right. I just wanted to point out something else. Sure. And when you're done with this one, remind me. No, 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 you're fine. Keep, do yours. I'll, we'll come back to mine. That's fine. Go ahead. Um, I just find that it's interesting, the meaning of Yochebed, uh, Moshe's mom. Her, the meaning of her name is um, the most high is glory. Mm. And through her is where his glory was shown through Moshe and through Aaron and through Miriam, his, his power in order to um, redeem Israel from Mitzrayim. I just where, think that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. Where did you guys find her name? I, uh, I want to say it's in chapter two. Because her, her, his father is her, correct? I think it was Ur and Yochebed. I don't know. All I see is uh, it just says, and I'll a find man it. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm counting on you. <laughs> I want to see it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, while you look that up, um, I just want, and I'm going to go ahead and um, since we're in the topic of the Exodus, um, wanted to insert that. For those who think that there were not people were not keeping Shabbat until covenant, I want to give you a verse that proves that they were keeping already Shabbat before covenant. Okay, and there, it was already done. It was something that was that was already um, being practiced, uh, but I think it started being more practiced when Moshe, uh, when Moshe got the anointing to let uh, the, his people go. If you look at uh, Exodus five. Uh, four, it says, then the king of Egypt said to them, Moshe and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you are making them rest from their labor. Why mm -hmm. is it making them rest? Because there is a day of rest. You know, we see that. We see already starting to see that already those things being practiced. Um, because, you know, even in the commandments, that's remember the Shabbat to keep it holy. Remember that who, you know, who created heaven, who, who took his day of rest. The Most High took a day of rest. You know, he, he, he labored for six days and there was a seventh day of rest. And then he say, you know, walk in my ways. Walk in my, well, what ways is that? Well, we'll labor for six days and, and take a day of rest. So, um, so we see that emulation by the, by the uh, by Israel, uh, given uh, through the leadership of Mos Moshe and, and Aaron as well, and uh, and then you know it all became part of a a covenant, so they keep it forever. But uh, but yeah, I just uh, wanted to add that on there that even pre covenant they were keeping Shabbat. Yeah, and also there was a you know there was an oral. Uh, covenant that was passed down, you know, through the line of, of, of Seth and, and Noah down to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, you know, all that, all those, uh, you know, that whole uh, lineage where, you know, they knew of, um, you know, parts of, you know, like, for example, I mean, you know, one of the reasons that, um, 
that Matthew talks about we should still do the dietary requirements is because in Genesis 7, 6 and 7, it mentions that Noah had both clean and unclean animals. You know, so parts of the covenant were definitely passed down. The covenant was passed down that Yahweh had made with Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15 uh, that, you know, were passed down further along as it went. And it wasn't until Moshe, like you said, was, you know, anointed to be that guy that he recorded everything. And also that the covenant was indeed blood ratified, you know, at, at the Mount, you know, and that's when, um, you know, that's when everything was uh, solidified and, and set in motion. And yeah. Like that, so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, although all those, pro all this covenant are now is based on better promises, of course, you know, the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and, and all those uh, wonderful promises of the kingdom and, and all that, uh, which, um, it's all founded on his promises and uh but we have to keep his covenant his commandments yeah for sure and also mm -hmm. exodus 16 also you know we see that the shabbat was already being established uh was already being uh held but yahuwah had to like teach him how to do it in the best of ways you know but it's always you know I, and like to say i mean abraham was uh considered a man of righteousness right because he kept my laws and my statutes he said you know so yeah, it was counted unto him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Uh, Raquel, did you did you find that um, scripture? Yeah, she posted it. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, Exodus 6.20, and I think Stephanie said uh, 2.10. Mm, okay. So, but I just think it's, I think it's, um, interesting because yeah yahuwah glorified Thir father eight, didn't say eight, like he reveals his his fullness or his his like brandon how did you say it like, he introduced himself was, but they were going to find out <laughs> yeah and it, it's like a like moshe's mom is is like that precursor of like you're gonna understand my glory mm-hmm and I just, I just think that that's just always kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think it was, it was um, at that time when he said, you know, I mean, it, you know, if he were to show him his full glory, they were, they, they could not stand and live; they would die, you know. So they had to um, show, you know, through the for the cliff of the rock, you know, Moshe was able to see. Um, you know, Yahusha in his um, anthropomorphic form and um, and that light that um, surrounded him. Um, yeah, because if you know, we can't see the, the Father's full glory, we, we, we would perish. But he gave us a way to, so he is able to be seen, you know, by, by his call, that one, so that's, and by his, by Israel. And that was wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. So, um, so Moses, which this is way, way later on, but he says to Yahweh, show me your glory, right? But his own mother's name means Yahuwah's kabod, Yahuwah's glory. 
Like, how crazy is that? I'm posting it right here so you guys can see it yourself. It's prophetic for sure. Yeah, because uh, you can see the notes here. Uh, it comes from H, it's H3115, Yochabed. I don't know if I'm saying that right, probably not. But um, uh, it says it's from H3068, which H3068 is, uh, is Yahuwah. You know, of course, the Strongs murdered it and made it Yehovah, but we know we know better than that. Um, but it's, you know, it's the yod Hey wah there. And, um, and then it says, and H3513, which is Kavod, which is what I put um, down below. So that's, that's, uh, man. Wow, that's awesome, Brandon. I mean, it's that's a good find. I, I, I never, I never realized that before. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it was Raquel's finding. I, I didn't know. Yeah. That. Thank, thank you, Raquel. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Thank you, Raquel. And I, I appreciate that. I, I see that he, um, uh, yeah. So that was definitely very prophetic. You know, he definitely showed the glory of, of Tumosha. You know what? Uh, through the sun. You guys. I'm sorry, my, my kid, my daughter called me out of the room. What happened? I missed it. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, good job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Good job. Good job. Um, no, we're just giving you props for finding that. That's all. Because, mm -hmm. because, uh, so uh, I don't know. Did you hear the part about when Moshe said, Show me your glory? Did you hear that part? Or no? no, where is that? Okay. Well, it's later on, right? It's like in Exodus yeah, like 34 or something like that. But he okay. tells Yahuwah, Show me your glory, right? Wow. Right? Well, what does his own mother's name mean? Yahweh's yeah. glory, Yahweh's kavod. So what I was going to say a step further, and you guys, you know, throw, throw tomatoes at me or whatever you want. But when Yahweh said, show me your glory, well, Yahweh's glory shines forth in us. So Yahweh's glory was brought forth through Moshe's mother, and Moshe was standing there as Yahuwah's glory. Because doesn't scripture say that like Moshe was like a beautiful child or very handsome yes. or something? Yeah, it says he was comely and, or beautiful. Yes. Right. And and the glory of Yahuwah shone through him. So I'm wondering if he looked like his mom. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks. <laughs> Good teamwork, guys. Good teamwork, brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so, I mean, you can imagine that Moshe's um, mother's name was with him this whole time. So I'm sure, you know, in his mind, in his spirit, so when he came, he actually did come across Yahuwah, he was able to, uh, you know, ask for that glory uh, of which he's able to reveal himself. Um, wow, wow, that's that amazing. Stephanie, was that one of his names that was on that website? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I was distracted. Sorry. What, what is, do you have the, do you know the 10 names or supposed 10 names of, of Moshe? Yeah, I had it, it, I put it in the chat. Um, okay. In the chat there. Mm -hmm. For anybody who wants to save it, right now, probably the best time. <laughs> it's 
we gotta we gotta get going here soon um all right excellent well thank you for the uh, wonderful uh nuggets and uh those pearls on, under the field um well uh well, let's go ahead and um, wrap this up. So uh, we give you some time, you know, to get your coffee or get something to eat for those who are going to be with us um, shortly. Um, so let's go ahead and close that on prayer. Uh, who would like to go ahead and um, volunteer? Raquel, we're going to volunteer you. There you go. I like it. All good. I was about to <laughs> unmute myself. <laughs> <laughs> you were okay great the rock is working amen father we thank you for this day we thank you that you chose to give us one more day here on this side um to work for your glory father thank you for the amazing revelation that you have been imparting on each and every one of us thank you for loving us loving us abundantly and more than you than we even recognize and Father, we repent of not recognizing that love on an hourly or minute-by-minute -minute basis, Father. We love you. We praise you. And thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us ears to hear and, and eyes to see, Father. Thank you for discernment. Thank you for the blessing that is your Ruach. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his blood. Thank you for beyond anything that we can even list right now. Um, we praise you. We praise you for you are the most high. We praise you, Father. We love you. In the, in the precious and mighty name of your son, our, our amazing, amazing Mashiach, we thank you. Hallelujah.